0: Well, good morning again. If you'll open your bulletins, there's an outline in there. Actually, a couple things, a number of things for you to look at this morning. But first of all, let's take a look at the outline. We've been in a series called 40 Days of Prayer. Today we're talking about how to pray for a healing and restoration. Did you know that 3,000 years ago, God made a promise to Solomon. Who was Solomon? Son of who? David. Wisest man that ever lived. So God comes to Solomon. He makes this promise. He says, look, at the dedication of the temple, I want to make a promise to you. But what you need to understand, this is for all of God's people throughout time. It's up here on the screen. Let's look at it from 2 Chronicles chapter 7. You're familiar with this verse. We're talking about promises and premises today. If my people, you need to ask yourself, am I one of God's peeps who are called by my name, will humble themselves, and what's the next word, and, say it with me, pray. That is key. We're talking about prayer, right? And prayer is connected with what? Being part of God's people and humbling ourselves. Are you seeing these premises? And then seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Would you just circle the word heal on your outline this morning? Circle the word heal. Who needs healing this morning? Healing. Who needs restoration this morning? Healing and restoration are found, keys are found in this verse. I want you to know three things. First of all, God didn't promise make this promise to everybody. Who did he make the promise to? His people. If my people. So this is not for everyone. This is for God's people. This is for family members. Who are they? Look back up on the screen. Matthew chapter 12. Jesus talking to an audience of people that are following Jesus, obeying Jesus, and his family's outside. What are they doing? Well, they think Jesus is kind of nuts because he's claiming to be God. What would you do if... Your brother was claiming to be God, right? You'd think he was kind of nuts. And uh, while Jesus was teaching the crowd, his mother and brothers waited nearby to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your family wants to talk to you. And Jesus asked a question that I'm sure seemed kind of strange. Well, who's my family? Let's read on. Then, pointing to his followers, he said, these people, there's that word again, are my family. Anybody who obeys my Father in heaven and does His will is my brother and my sister and my mother. Wow, are you seeing the connection here? He's saying, people that follow me and obey me, they're my people. So I ask you a question this morning. We've got guests in here. I know most of you, but maybe I don't know everybody in our audience this morning. Are you one of God's people? Have you obeyed Him? Have you obeyed the first and basic commandment that God gave? Trust my son Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Him. And then put Him on in baptism. Obedience. Very, very simple. If you've done that, you're a part of God's people. The second thing I read here is, it's for those who are called by my name. Not everybody's proud of the name of Christ. There are some people that use His name like a cuss word. Have you ever heard that? They're not called by Jesus' name. They may use it a lot, but they use it in vain. They sometimes reduce the name of a holy God to an OMG, an oh wow. They reduce it to a cuss word. They use His name to lie. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. But they have no intention of telling the truth. They use the name a lot, but they're not called by His name. Are you embarrassed to identify with Christ? Are you embarrassed to say I'm a disciple of Jesus? There are no secret agent saints in God's kingdom. If you're keeping it a secret, you're not in. It's just that simple. Jesus says, man, my my people are the ones that obey me. Anybody who obeys the Father in heaven and does my will is in my family. And part of being in the family means you identify with the name. You're called by His name. Everybody else brags about who they are and the group that they represent. If you're a child of God, you'd be doing the same. And so this gets back to the third idea is there's always a premise with the promise. Every promise has a premise that goes before it. And I want to look at four premises this morning, or conditions for healing and restoration. In my body, my mind, uh, my finances, my emotions, my relationships, and you can just go on down the list. First of all, if you want healing, first and foremost, I must admit I'm not in control. Bruce, what's that all about? Where do you find that in the verse? Well, 2 Chronicles 7, 14a says... If my people will what humble themselves. Humility and healing go hand in hand. Humility and restoration of relationships go hand in hand. Have you noticed when two people are at odds against one another? There's not a whole lot of humility. It's just about who's going to be right and who's going to be wrong and who's foremost and who's on top. Humility is key to this whole thing. I don't approach God with my needs and my concerns arrogantly and proudly and flippantly or disrespectfully. I don't go to God and make demands. I go to Him humbly. Why? God is not my genie in a bottle. God doesn't just obey my every wish. He's my Heavenly Father and I humbly go before Him. You know, the Bible never says to pray for humility. It just says do it. Humility is a choice. I I either decide I'm going to be humble, or I don't. Humility is a choice. Well, what is humility? In your outline, I've given you a couple of different things. And by the way, if you didn't get a, uh, a bulletin this morning, you didn't get one of these, pull this out. This is called 12 Practical Ways to Show Real Humility Daily. If you didn't get one of these, go to the uh, Crosspoint app, and uh, our communications ministry leader made sure that that got on there. You can just download it from there, and you got it electronically as well. Let's look at quickly 12 ways. Won't spend a lot of time on these. I'll give you a verse for each one, for most of these anyway. And um, uh, C.S. Lewis said, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less, <laughs> doesn't that make sense? You know, how do I look? How's this going to? Yeah, yeah, humble people don't worry about that. They, they, you know, they're not caught up in themselves. They're not even thinking about themselves because they're trying to serve others. Number one, confess your sins. You want to know if you're a humble person? Confess your sin to God the moment you realize it. In other words, a humble person keeps very short accounts with God. Man. When you've blown it, you're there with God saying, yeah, God, I said I wouldn't do that again. Guess what I did? I did it again. Ah, humbly, you say, Lord, I confess it to you. I'm I'm a work in progress. That's humility. Number two, forgive quickly. Humble people forgive very, very quickly. Uh, They never hold on to a grudge. They just let it go. Number three, when you're treated unfairly, be quiet and patient. Don't retaliate. Have you ever been treated unfairly? <laughs> do I even need to ask? Have you ever treated somebody else unfairly? Do I even need to ask? We've all been on both sides of the receiving line on number three. The key is don't retaliate when it's headed your direction. Number four, look for ways to serve others instead of expecting to be served. When you walk into a room, do you want to expect the best spot, the best service, the best... How many times have you got hacked off at a waiter or waitress? This food is cold. How long is it going to take? And we have no idea of all the things that are going on behind the scenes that are out of their control, and they get all the heat and they get all the blame when they really had nothing to do with it. Mm. Be careful there. Look for ways to serve others instead of expecting them to serve you. Number five, accept criticism and correction graciously. Accept it graciously. You know, most people that do this are really trying to help you. Now, they could probably do it a little bit more tactfully at times. I could have, and I've not been so tactful. But really what we want, the end result, is for to be a better person, a better preacher, a better teacher, a better man, a better woman of God, a better church. And so receive it graciously. Number six, don't. Fight to get the best seat or table or parking spot. Now, i got a confession to make. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another. Here's mine. It drives me crazy. When I've got my eye on that parking spot, first I know I'm next in line and someone snags it right from underneath me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Every Christmas season, somehow, some way, I've told myself... I'm going to give up my parking space, even to someone that didn't get there first. That's going to be my Christmas present to all those mall shoppers. <laughs> I do that every Christmas. And when I read this long list this past week, I thought, Lord, I want to do what I do at Christmas time every day. This is daily humility. I humble myself at Christmas time in honor of Christ, but really, this is what we should be doing all the time. Amen? Hmm. All right. So I've obeyed a couple of the commandments. Today. I confessed and I'm being humble and I'm working I'm a work in progress, all right? Number seven, intentionally be friends with people who have no status. Oh, let that sink in. Who are we normally looking for? You know, people that hey, I want to be their friend because, you know, maybe they can help me. I want to be their friend because maybe they can do something for me. Maybe they can get me to the next. Rung on the latter. No. Jesus hung out and helped those with no status. People that couldn't help themselves. People that were overlooked by society. The unpopular people, the aged people, the disabled people. Look how many encounters Jesus had with widows? Hmm. Well, number eight, be respectful to the authorities in your life. Even the imperfect ones. Have you ever received a traffic ticket you didn't deserve? Hey, you're just like me. Neither have I. Uh, One or two. I deserved every single one I've gotten. I can't deny it. I did it. And there were times that I received grace and mercy. I remember one time a CHP pulled me over. I was going way too fast. And I stuck my hands out of the car and I said, you got me. And uh, he just laughed. Saw my driver's license, insurance. Went and checked me out, came back, gave me a verbal warning. Oh, thank you, Lord. How many of you ever got grace and mercy when you didn't deserve it? That was me. All right. But you know what? Sometimes there are bad people in authority, but you can still respect the authority. Doesn't matter who the president of the United States is, you may think they're a total arrogant jerk, but you respect the authority of the office. There was a judge here in Orange County that, man, he he let somebody off that I really thought, I mean, a slap on the wrist that really deserves some big time jail time. There was even a petition to get him out of office. But I told myself, if I was in that man's courtroom and they said, all rise for the honorable judge X, You know, I would stand. Why? Not because I respect the man. I respect the authority. I respect the position. Are you getting this? There's a difference. Humility says, I'm going to stubbornly sit. That's a lack of humility. Humility says, no, I'm going to stand. Because it's the right thing to do. When Jesus was brought on trial that night, and he went before the Sanhedrin, he showed respect. The very people that were going to kill him and nail him to a cross... He showed respect. What an example he was. And so, number nine, let's move on. Pick up trash wherever you find it. Leave a public restroom cleaner. Ooh. Does that hit home? I'm a very humble person. Number nine, pick up trash wherever you find it. Leave a public restroom cleaner than you found it. That's a telltale sign. Number 10, admit your weakness or weaknesses and sins to a few safe people. Now notice I say safe people. And we'll talk about that in a few moments. Number 11, always speak well of others. Never use put-downs. Never stoop to the level of people who put you down. And finally, if you want to know if you are a humble person and you're showing it daily, pray for your enemies. How many pray for your enemies today? I mean, was that even on your radar this morning when you woke up? God, I just want to pray for the person that wants my job at work and they're just after me every day, making me look bad. I want to pray for them. Ooh, some of you are going, hey man, you're reading my mail, you know. <laughs> I'm not, you know, the Holy Spirit just uses what I say. But you can make that equation to any circumstance that go is going on in your life. Pray for your enemies. Bless those who hate you. Okay, it's on. The Crosspoint app, if you want that electronically as well. So let's move on. What is humility, and how can I show up? We just looked at 12 practical ways. How does God respond to the person that is humble, has a humble heart? Well, I I think God loves humility as much as He hates ego. Number one, if I'm humble, God will guide me. If you need guidance... If you need some direction in your life, humble yourself. Psalm twenty-five nine. God leads the humble in the right way and He teaches them His will. But if you're stubborn, if you're rebellious, don't expect that guidance to show up. And you go, why am I always making the wrong decision? Boy, I could sure use some guidance. And you may even be praying for it with a hardened heart and God's saying, humble yourself. That's where you get guidance. Number two, if I humble myself, God will bless me. Isaiah sixty six two, I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts. Those two things go together. Number three, if I'm humble, God will give me the power to change. James puts it like this in James 4.6 God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. What is grace? That's power. When God pours grace into your life, He has poured power in your life To do these things that seem almost impossible. This 12-point list that we just went over, did you go, wow, that's really hard, God. Uh, You know, some people say, you know, the Christian life is really a hard life to live. No, it's not. It's an impossible life to live. Without help from God. Without help from the Holy Spirit. I cannot do these 12 things without God in my life. I cannot live the Christian life without God's power and God's grace showing up in my own life. But I need humility for that power to show up. And number four, if I'm humble, God reduces my stress. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Jesus says, take the yoke I give you. Take my yoke upon you. Oh, there's the Bible. There's Jesus laying another one on me. He wants to lay a yoke on me. What's a yoke? That's that thing that, you know, a beast of burden carries around his neck. Well, that's not the yoke Jesus gives. It's a different kind of a yoke. Learn from me. And what was Jesus like? You want to know what Jesus was like? For I am gentle and humble. Gets back to humility again, doesn't it? Are you gentle? Are you humble? Hey, I want healing, but no humility. There's a premise to every promise. And I will restore deep rest. For your soul. You won't be stressed out all the time. I defy you to find Jesus in a hurry. You can read his whole life. He's never? Okay, hurry up. We've got to get to the woman at the well. Hurry up, you disciples. Quit lollygagging back there. We, there, there there's a healing I've got to do. The blind man needs to see. The lame man needs to walk. Oh, by the way, Lazarus needs to get healed the week before I die. Come on, hurry up, hurry up. Never. And wouldn't you agree with me that Jesus was one of the busiest men on earth when he was here? but never stressed out. Why? Humble, under the authority of his Father, obeying. And what did he say in John 15 as he was wrapping up his life? God, I've done everything you've asked me to do. Now I'm going to the cross. Now I'm praying for these 12 guys to carry it on to Crosspoint Christian Church, and then I want Crosspoint Christian Church to carry it on to other people. Do you see how that works? Make them humble like I was humble and bless them and give them grace and reduce their stress and guide them the way you guided me to get everything done. All gets back to humility. Number two, second condition. If I want 2 Chronicles 7, 14 to apply to my life, it says, if my people, so you got to be one of God's people, you got to humble yourself, will pray. See, a lot of times people will say, man, I'm just waiting for God to move. I'm waiting for God to work. You're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you to pray. You just never prayed about it. You're doing it all yourself. Let me give you five tips on how to pray for a healing. The first two are found in John 16, verse 23 and 24. This is Jesus talking. He says, I tell you the truth. My Father will give you anything you ask in my name. There's the name. It's key. Until now, you've not asked for anything. He's talking to his disciples. Ask and you'll receive so that your joy will be the fullest possible joy. The first thing I want you to remember, the first tip is that asking was Jesus' idea. Right? Jesus said to us, ask. I want you to ask. It's a good thing to ask. Sometimes people say, I don't want to bother God with this. I'll just handle this one myself. Okay, we'll miss out on the blessing. Miss out on the guidance. It was Jesus' idea for us to ask for stuff. And it's how you learn it's how you learn first learn to trust. It's how I first learned to trust. How does a little baby learn to trust its mother and father? Have you noticed that little babies have distinct cries? There's the cry that, you know, they're hungry, there's the cry that they need to be changed, Uh, there's the cry that they just need to be held and comforted, and then there's that cry that something is really wrong. And, and you kind of learn the difference. But when they're hungry, mom goes and feeds the baby. And then when they need to be changed, mom goes and feeds the baby. And dad is not anywhere to be found. And, but, but have you noticed that every time you meet the need of that baby as it grows, it's more bonded to you? Why? You've answered the need. And it builds trust. Trust. And so have you ever had someone, maybe have a two-year-old in their arms and they say, hey, go to Aunt Susie or Aunt Betty and, and they, go, or they go to Uncle Bruce, you know, oh, I don't want anything to do with that guy. They don't know me. There's no trust built up, right? I wasn't changing. I wasn't feeding. I wasn't nurturing. Mommy and Daddy were. That's why the baby trusts. Well, it's kind of the same way. We got. We're little babies and we're growing in the Lord and the Lord says, ask me, humbly. I will meet your needs. I will bless you. And every time I do, guess what you're doing? You're learning to trust God a little bit more each time. That's why he told us to pray. He asked us to pray. No prayer, no trust. That's how that works. Number two, he says, ask in Jesus' name. It's on the basis of what he paid for you. And What did he pay for you? His life, a ransom. We just had communion service together to remind us, a weekly reminder, that he paid the price, he died for me, we're a blood-bought church. Read Acts 20-28 on your own time. You don't even belong to yourself. Christ purchased you, and what did he purchase you with? His own blood. Now, sometimes people object and say, I prayed for things and I haven't gotten it, what's up with that? Well, you can ask for anything, the text says, but that doesn't mean you're going to get everything. We've already covered this a few weeks ago. You parents know that your kids are going to ask you for things that aren't good for them. And you don't give it to them. Why? Because you don't love them? No. Precisely because you do love them. You don't get everything you ask for, and I think that's what he's saying here. But he is saying, go ahead and ask, and I'll sort it out whether it fits in to the best plan for your life or not. Trust me. Give me the veto power. But ask. He wants us to ask. And um, James 5.13-15 through 15 says, well, number three, get other people to pray with you. Get other people to pray with you. James 5.13, is anyone of you in trouble? He should do what? Pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praises. And I, we were all singing this morning. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil. By the way, there's nothing magical about the oil in this verse. You know, I've anointed people with oil, and they say, Bruce, what kind of oil is this? And I say, Crisco. (laughs) Now, I usually use olive oil if we have it, but it doesn't matter. The magic, the, the power's not in the oil, all right? The power's in the one that we pray to. And I've anointed people with oil. I've gone with elders. And we've done, some people have gotten better and some people haven't. But I did my job. My job was what? To anoint them with oil and pray. It's up to God to do the healing, right? And the Holy Spirit is represented in the oil. It's a very, if you read the, the Bible, uh, you, you'll find there's a connection between oil and the Holy Spirit. So it's a very, very good um, example of the Holy Spirit showing up. And a, and a part of your daily toiletry, if you lived in first century, uh, you know, Jerusalem or wherever in the Middle East, uh, your daily toiletry would be, to, and well, in America, what do we do? You know, we get up, take a shower, we shave, we brush our teeth, we comb our hair, and we go out the door. Well, they would add oil to their hair. Remember the psalmist says, thou anointest my head with what? Oil. It, it, it's a sign of faith, you know. We're pouring oil on this guy. We're get, hey, you're going to get out of this bed. We're going to. We're praying for healing. We believe in that God is going to raise you up here today, and we do it all in the name of who? The name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up. By the way, it doesn't have to be elders. You know, I mean, if, if it was limited to elders, and you were sick, and your church didn't have elders. Well, you're just out of luck. No, the Bible says, "The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The prayer of a righteous woman availeth much." Just take somebody with you. Take someone with you. You know, and it doesn't have to be ten people. It doesn't have to be the whole congregation. Just one other person will do. Uh, look up here on the screen at Matthew 18, verse 19. Hope I got this in right order. Case, go to Matthew 18, 19. If It's up there. There we go. I tell you that if just two of you on earth, me and one other person, agree together about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. So, someone calls on you to anoint them with the Lord. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. Yes, you can. Just get someone. Go with them. Pray in faith. And then, number four, a fourth tip on praying for a healing Believe and expect an answer. Notice the text says the prayer offered in faith. And then number five tip, keep on praying until God tells you to stop. Uh, I like the verse we looked at last week, Ephesians 6.18. It says, pray in the Spirit. Look at all the all's and always's in this verse. Pray in the Spirit. Do we got it here? Pray in the Spirit at all times with all kinds of prayers asking for all you need. To do this, you must always be ready and never give up. Always pray for all God's people. Alls and always. That's a lot of tenacity, right? Just keep on praying. A lot of times people get down and discouraged and they stop praying. Don't do that. So, third condition seek God, not a miracle. First condition, I'm not in control. Second condition, ask God for help. Third condition, seek God not a miracle what do we normally seek i want my miracle and i want it now and i want my healing i want it now and god is not the focus notice second chronicles 7 14c if my people who are called by my name what's the next part humility and then seek my face if they will seek my face seeking him not merely seeking god's blessings Lord, the attitude should be, whether you give me this thing that I want or not, I want you. Ah, the psalmist said somewhere, though he slay me, still will I serve him. That's the attitude. See, I want the Lord more than I want blessings in this life. Do you really want Jesus, or do you just want the stuff Jesus provides? Are you really seeking God, or are you seeking the blessings? Proverbs 8, 17. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. That word seek is used a lot. It's used a lot in the Scriptures about turning to God. Hebrews eleven six, 6. God rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Notice the word earnestly. It's not, oh, casually. You know, I'll get around to that. You know, that Jesus thing. Yeah, yeah, I I, I believe it. I'm just not going to get around to it for a while. I had a young man tell me one time, I'm still young. When I get old, when I'm an old man, then I'll turn to the Lord. He actually told me that. I said, You're not promised tomorrow. Didn't faze him. It's a serious pursuit, it is your primary focus. You don't become an Olympic athlete. The Winter Olympics are taking place right now in in Korea. You don't stand up there on the platform having won a gold medal by working out in your event part-time. You are a full-time athlete to win a gold medal, to be an Olympian. To be a professional, anything, you're doing it earnestly, full-time, And that's the way we should be seeking God. Seek God earnestly. What does God want from me? More than anything else, He wants us to seek Him. Psalm 14, verse 2. Look at the screen. The Lord, He looks down. He's looking down from where? He's looking down from heaven. On the entire human race. That's you, that's me. When's He doing that? All the time. Our God never sleeps. He never slumbers, nor does He sleep. He looks to see if there is even one with real understanding, one who seeks for God. You know, the truth is, very few people are really serious about knowing God. What about you? How well do you know God? Let me tell you something right now. I I know something about every single one of you in our audience this morning. You are as close to God as... As you choose to be right now. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I just mean you're as close to God as you choose to be. I wish I was closer to God. Well, God hasn't moved anywhere. You just keep on moving forward. You just keep on moving forward. You know, I want to be close to God, but I don't want to pray. I don't want to spend time with Him. I don't want to get into His Word. You see what I'm saying? See, I don't want to be humble. I don't want it's hard to do these twelve things. I I don't want to seek God like that. You're as close to God as you choose to be. Do you see why we need his grace? Do you see why we need to choose to be humble? You need you see why we need to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to give us not only the will but the power to do these things. Can't do it on our own. We cannot do these things without being humble and choosing to seek him. Uh, Deuteronomy 4 will say seek God earnestly and you'll be relieved well when you're in your distress and everyone goes through distress but if you're not seeking God you know what happens you end up in a yearly cycle a yearly pattern that kind of repeats itself over and over again oh God here we go again why you know still I got this hurt still I got this habit still I got this hang up and it's, when am I ever going to get over this? You know the cycle that I'm talking about? It's because you're not really serious about seeking God. God goes overboard for those who put Him first. Oh, you know this verse by heart. Mark uh, Matthew 6.33 Seek first before you do anything else. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things. All these things we worry about. All these things we're stressed out about. All these things we want the distress gone from, seek first. And you have all these other things as well. And then one last thing, and we'll close with this. The fourth condition to healing and restoration is this. Turn my attention from the world to the Word. And he says, and turn from their wicked ways. What does that mean? Well, there's really two words we need to define in this verse, this latter part of the verse. Wickedness and turn. What do you think of when you think of wickedness? Do you think of just really evil people? You know, the mafia types, the extortionists and the rapists and the murderers, and, you know, ISIS, you know, people like that. Burn people alive and cut people's heads off. Oh, those people are really, really wicked. Well, I want you to think about another idea of wickedness. Look on the screen. What do you think of this definition? Wickedness is just forgetting God. Wickedness is forgetting God. You just do your thing when you want, where you want, anytime you want, and you live your life as though God weren't even a part of it. Isaiah 17.10 says, You have forgotten, ooh, interesting word, isn't it? You have forgotten who? The God who saves you. I want healing. I want restoration. I want this. I want that. But there's no humility, and you've forgotten God. And you have not remembered that God is your place of safety. And the second word you need to remember or look at is the word turn. It's a little different from repent. Uh, look at look look at uh, Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. You see both words used. Uh, together, but they're not exactly the same word. The Hebrew word for return means to bring back or to repent. Uh, But the word turn itself, um, how can I explain this? If I'm going this direction and I repent, I change my thinking, I change my direction. So that's repent. But the word, it's not enough to turn away from evil. The word turn means, now, you've, you've repented, now turn to God. You need to turn toward your salvation. You need to turn toward your helper. Um, I, I, I'm no longer in the kingdom of darkness. I am turning and choosing the kingdom of light. I'm no longer following the way of the world. I'm now, I've repented, I'm now turning and following The way of God. Those two things, combine them together. Repent and turn to God. Why? So that your sins may be wiped out. So that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Anybody need some refreshing this morning? Repent and turn. takes humility for that. Proverbs 28.13 If you hide your sins, you will not succeed. But if you confess and reject them you will receive mercy. Question. What sins are you pretending in your life are not a problem? You've covered them up, covered them up, hit them, made light of them. Ah, it's not a big deal. Ah, no one really notices. What are you covering up? You know, in politics... Cover ups rarely work. Right? Once it's exposed, you know, everyone sees it. Lots going on in the FBI these days, huh? I wonder how that's gonna all shake out. do mm. Don't try to cover up. Never works. James 5:16 says, Therefore, confess. There's that word again. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be, what's the word? Healed. What do we all want this morning? You raised your hand. You wanted a healing. Fourth condition. Turn. Turn from our wicked ways. From the world to the Word. You might want to write this on your outlines. I need others to help me change. You not only need God to help you change, you need others to help you change. That's why we have small groups here at Point. That's why we have a men's group and a women's group. Uh, That's why we have um, recovery meetings and support groups. We need other people. Now James says, pray for each other. Be careful that you find someone that you trust. I I notice in our growth group, and those of you that are growth group leaders, uh, I think we're going like week six of meeting together this week, something like that. Um, each week people are opening up more and more and more. Uh, I'm thinking of couples that shared debt problems. A couple shared they were about to lose their house at one point in their life and how God came to the rescue. Opening up. And what an encouragement that was to hear them be vulnerable and say, yeah, this was a real issue in our life, you know. Out of a job, going through hard times, but God saw us through. See that trust issue again? But you see, you don't just open your window up to everybody. Find someone you can trust in the body of Christ. Get a part of a group. And as the Holy Spirit leads you and as you feel comfortable, confess. Share your shortcomings. Share your weaknesses. And say, would you pray for me on this? See how that's helpful? Now God has just seen what? You're humble enough to share that with somebody else. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to who? The humble. See how that's all coming together? Ooh. Why why am I not getting it, Lord? For every promise there's a premise. But if you do these steps, first step in all this, first step in all recovery is healing confession. And if you do so, God has a threefold promise for you. He says, "I will hear from heaven. I will forgive your sins, and I will heal your land." Let's humbly pray. Right now. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, help us to take these steps today, right now. And um, humble ourselves. You said, if my people will humble themselves. You might want to just say in your own mind, in your own heart to God. He can hear you. God, I, I, I admit I'm not in control. I've acted like it. But I'm not. I've tried to call the shots in my own life, and it just isn't working out very well. And the harder I try to control things, the, the more out of control everything seems to get. And so today, I humble myself. And I'm asking you to guide me and to bless me and to give me the power to change and to relieve my stress and all those things that come if I walk humbly before you. And Lord, you also said, if my people will pray, and and I'm asking for help, I'm reaching out to you, I'm praying, Lord, thank you for the idea of prayer, thank you that it was your idea, and you're the one that said to, to pray and ask for anything, and you'll sort it out, whether it's good for us or not, and so Lord, we pray and we give you the veto power, and we thank you, Father, that when we receive those answered prayers, it totally builds trust between us. And you said, Lord, if my people will seek my face, forgive me for the times that I've not sought your face, I just sought your blessing. I want to be like you, Lord. You are humble. And I humbly ask this because Jesus Christ already paid the price for it. And it's in His name that I pray. Amen. Amen.